Celebrate the historic 100th Greeley Stampede, June 23rd through July 4th, featuring concerts, rodeo, carnival, and more. Tickets available at GreeleyStampede.org. It's time for the Rockies Rundown, talking all things Colorado Rockies baseball. Here are your hosts, Jerry Schimmel and Tanner Schwint. Good afternoon, Northern Colorado. It is Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex. Live from the Allo Communication Studios, I'm Tanner Schwint, joined by one of the voices of the Colorado Rockies. That's Jerry Schimmel. Jerry, how are you this how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Tanner. How about you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Uh listen, Jerry. Um I texted you yesterday and uh just said, Why do the Rockies break my heart? Do you have any answers for that? <laughs> Because they just don't like you, I think. I think I, I so. Think I think they're trying to break up yeah. with me. Yeah, they're trying to break up with you, uh, Tanner. I don't know what you did, what you said, what you've been thinking, but I think they want to break up with you. So that's the only thing I can think of is they just don't like you. I'm not sure they ever really liked you a whole lot, but they don't like you anymore at all. <laughs> it's it felt like that over the last couple of weeks <laughs> for the Rockies, Jerry. Uh, listen, you, you, you had that uh, homestand with the Mets. You knew it was going to be a bear. You knew it was going to be difficult with them. You win one of the three there and say, okay, you know what? That's a really good team. Let's get on the road. We take on Pittsburgh, who's not a really good team, and the Rockies struggled. I mean, they only they they lose two of the three games to Pittsburgh. Yeah, and and the the way they did it too was a little disappointing. You know, the first two games they didn't score. They they were able to win a game two to one in game two, and then had a had a nice lead yesterday. Feltner was pitching great, and I thought, boy, just we'll kind of cruise to the the end here, and and the bullpen would take over, and then the bullpen faltered. So, and, and the guys that that did that, Estevez and uh, Justin Lawrence, actually have been pitching pretty well lately. So. It's one of those things that happens in baseball. I know people don't want to hear that, they, and, and people cringe when Bud says, well, that's baseball. But it's kind of the way it works sometimes. I mean, the, the pitching had been outstanding in the first two games. Bullpen had been doing really well, So uh, and then they faltered. But uh, it's just uh, those kind of things happen. And, you know, the, you give Pittsburgh a, a little credit, too. You know, they came in last in the league and run scored, I think, in that game, and, and uh, they, they found their groove uh, in the late innings yesterday. So you give them a little credit, too, but what you got to do is forget about that and bounce back. you got a four-game series against a team that you certainly have a chance to beat in this series. Well, and, and I think this upcoming series, we'll talk about it a little bit uh, later on in the program, but I think this upcoming series, the Rockies have a, a great opportunity to get the bats going and get, uh, get that offense going. But I want to talk more about uh, yesterday. Jerry Ryan Feltner was incredible, seven straight strikeouts for the young man uh, through five innings pitched, only two earned runs. And, and then, you know, like you said, the, the bullpen just did not have it yesterday. Carlos Estevez, you know, he's been he's been pretty hit or miss this year, Jerry. It was a, a really rough outing for him. What are your thoughts on where this bullpen sits right now? We knew it was probably going to be one of the, the weaker aspects of this team, but uh, they've been up and down this year. Yeah, they have. And uh, I, I think you might possibly see uh tanner some different faces in there they've got a couple relievers at triple a that are actually pitching pretty well so you might you might see some guys that with different faces different names in that bullpen but as a whole to answer your question you know these men so up and down first two weeks of the season they were incredible and then they just really faltered and then the last three weeks or so they've been as a unit pretty good uh you know guys that uh, had had been uh, uh struggling a little bit like stevenson 
and some others had actually been pitching pretty well lately. And then Tyler Kinley's been terrific, and at the back of the bullpen, you got Bard pitching pretty well. So, you know, I think when you look at it now, it's just inconsistency. And a guy like uh, Carlos Estevez yesterday, you mentioned him. You know, that's a guy that's got all kinds of talent in terms of uh, velocity. I mean, it's 97, 98 consistently. But when that ball doesn't move like it was yesterday, the guys are sitting on that fastball, and then you can't throw a slider for a strike. Then you're in trouble. So uh, up and down, to answer your question, up and down with the bullpen, and and hopefully what you you try to find is more consistency. But you might find a little more consistency with with some different names in that bullpen coming up soon. Well, that uh, that 97, 98-mile-per-hour pitch that you're talking about, yeah, that's that's a big fastball, but not – any more in the league, you know, the MLB has got a lot of guys that can reach up there and grab that, that extra and get up there to the 97, 98. And they were, they jumped all over it with Estevez. And it just seems like this is another guy that, that we've seen flashes of and, and the Rockies really want to work out. Uh, but, but he hasn't put together the consistency, no matter how much we're rooting for him to do so. Yep, exactly right. And you compare him to a guy like Daniel Bard, but they both throw upper 90s. But Bard's got movement on that fastball, and 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 Estevez sometimes does not. And when he doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you can throw 100 miles an hour and uh, plus. And if it's ball straight and it's right down the middle, it's going to be hit. Guys are that talented these days. So we saw that with uh, with Tyler Green from Cincinnati. I mean, the Rockies roughed him up, and he was throwing upper 90s. So and other teams have done the same thing. So you got to have some movement with it. They're they're working with Carlos to try to cut the ball a little bit, maybe take some velocity off to get some movement. He's got a pretty good slider. That slider is is upper is, is uh, low 90s, so it's great great velocity to it. But you can't use it if your fastball is straight. So they're trying to get him to, to manipulate his mechanics a little bit to, to maybe do that, and that might happen. I don't know if he's got any. Uh, time left of the minors, any options left, but that might happen at AAA rather than at the big league level. Yeah, talking with Jerry Schimmel here, it is uh, Rocky's Rundown on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103-1-13-10 KFK. Talking about these guys that that have been here a while and that you kind of start to just throw your, your hands up and say, I don't know what to do with them. Does the fact that there's a new general manager in Bill Schmidt, uh, does that change you know the duration and the longevity that these guys can have? Uh, because, yeah, he's been a part of the Rockies organization, but he wasn't necessarily the one who brought him in. You know, I don't think so, Tanner. It's a good question. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think a guy like Bill Schmidt just looks at the big picture. And it doesn't matter if he brought that guy in or somebody else did uh, on his watch, not on his watch. I think he just looks at the roster and thinks, let's do what's best for this team to help it win games. So I don't think it, it's, you know, it's my guy. It's not my guy. I traded for him. I didn't trade for him. I think you just look at the talent level. I, I know that's the case with Bill Schmidt. He's got zero ego that way. And and I, I can just tell by talking to him every week on the show that he's that way. Hey, let's let's do what's right for this organization. Let's do what's best for this roster to help us win games. And we're not here to develop guys. We're here to win games. And we're not rebuilding. We're a team that we think can compete when we're hitting on all cylinders. So, no, I think to answer your question, it's a good question. But I think the answer is no. I think Bill Schmidt and the rest of the gang in the front office are just looking at everybody collectively and thinking, all right, let's do what's best for this team. Now, and I and I tend to agree with you on that, but uh, just uh, something that, that, that crosses the mind as you start to see these guys as we get deeper into this year, you know, 43 games in uh, already, which doesn't seem like it's possible, but 43 games in, you're starting to see who's going to uh, shine and who's not. And, you know, with that 20-23 record, Jerry, uh, last place in the NL West right now, 
But again, this is just insane to me. When you look around the rest of baseball, I mean, you, they, they'd be in second place. They'd be tied with the, the Atlanta Braves in the, in the yeah. uh, NL East, right? They, they'd be in third place in the NL Central. But you're just playing in the best division in baseball right now. Yeah, and it's been that way, I think, overall for a couple of years now. And, and that's what everybody looked at at the beginning of the season, Tanner, was, hey, the National League uh, West is really good again. You know, Padres are good. Arizona is going to be an improved team. They're probably not a playoff team. They're probably not a 500 team, but they're playing pretty good baseball right now. And then you got San Francisco that won 107 games, basically with the same cast of characters from last year, won 107 games last year. And then you got the Mighty Dodgers. So we knew coming in it was going to be the toughest division. I was just looking the other day at some of the preseason uh, predictions in terms of wins and losses, and everybody had that Ashley West is being the, the best uh, division in baseball. And that's the way it's turned out. So uh, you got that working against you. So you got you got a lot of components here to put this team where it's at. I do believe it's it's a better team than 20 and 23. I, I know that for a fact. They just got to get more consistent. When you look at the numbers and you got your top two pitchers, Kyle Freeland and Ermon Marquez, have between them two wins and 43 games in, yeah. and you're three games under 500. You probably take that, wouldn't you, Tanner? Yeah. I mean, you're thinking, wow, these guys are faltered, but hey, they're still hanging around 500. So better days, I really believe, are ahead for this team. Well, I certainly hope so. Three and seven in their last ten for the Rockies, and and I completely agree with you on the pitching front with uh, with guys like Freeland and Marquez. That that's they're going to get it going. I, I don't have any doubt about it. You know, uh, Freeland uh, pitched a gem uh, four four innings, a no hit baseball uh, for a while there for Kyle, and apparently he was he was sick during uh, his outing and stuff like that. So these guys have that that toughness to go do it. The thing that makes me nervous, and again, it goes back every single year we talk about it, it's the Coors hangover, Jerry, when, when, when the Rockies go back out on the road. I mean, they just can't hit. It, it impacts guys even like C.J. Crone, who's been one of the hottest batters in the MLB this year. You know, I, got, I know he hit a, a home run uh, yesterday, but what is going on with the Rockies as soon as they lo- leave uh, Coors Field? <laughs> That's a question we've been trying to answer for 30 years now, Tanner, and nobody really has a solution to it. You know, you can look at the numbers and the Rockies analytics department will, they're, they're, will, they said the other day, one of their representatives there said, I'd love to show you the numbers and how things move and how they don't move on the road compared to home. And, but, but that's all good and well. We, we know what it, we know what the numbers are. We know what the splits are. We know what the differences are. So what do you do about that? That's the question that's, that has to be asked that nobody can seem to answer. So I, I thought that the best answer I've gotten so far was Brendan Rogers in a pregame show. We did it like on Tuesday uh, of this week. So get, before game two. And he said, you know, we, we know what the numbers are. We know that the ball doesn't move as much at home. So you're going to be a better hitter. You're at altitude. The ball carries farther. But he said, when you go on the road, you got to forget about those things and just see the ball and try to hit the ball hard somewhere. And I think that's the approach that the Rockies have to take is, you know, the ball might drop a little bit more. It might move a little bit more because we're at sea level or in Pittsburgh. So what? Go up there and, and look for a pitch that you can drive and try to just see the ball and hit it hard somewhere. So I think that's what the, a lot of the Rockies have uh, taken the philosophy. It doesn't always work, I guess. And the other thing about that, too, Tanner, is I think the more you're away from Coors Field, the better you become that way. I mean, look at Game 3 yesterday in Pittsburgh. Started hitting the ball really well. Started, started driving the ball finally after three days. You started figuring out how the ball is going to move and how it's going to spin and how you pick it up. 
It might take a game or two, but you can figure that out. So hopefully that carries into this series, the four-gamer against Washington. All right, we're away from Coors Field now for four days. Let's start hitting the ball a little bit better because we're forgetting about, and uh, certainly mentally and physically, uh, that home field at Coors Field. Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic, and it's an interesting uh, area that not uh, well, not anybody else has to deal with in the uh, MLB. So we'll see how the Rockies can fare on the road. But I mean, that's been the difference: six and twelve on the road. They've got a great uh, three games above five hundred when they're at home, but uh, six games behind when they're on the road. Six. And 12 hopefully that can get turned around rockies rundown presented by autoplex uh jerry schimmel i'm tanner schwint we'll continue on next on northern Colorado's voice 1031 and 1310 kfka Rockies Rundown on a Thursday afternoon. I'm Tanner Schwint, joined by Jerry Schimmel, uh, voice of the Colorado Rockies. Jerry, uh, we saw something pretty unique with the Rockies and Brian Servin. I know you had a great interview with him, but uh, uh, what, a, what a special couple of weeks for the young man. Oh, man, isn't that the case? I mean, number one, just getting that call up. It's something guys never forget about, that first game, putting that uniform on the first time. Uh, for him, putting the catching gear on the first time, but... Those first two hits being home runs are historic. I mean, no one's ever done that before. So um, it uh, obviously you can't get much, too much better than that. And then he threw a guy out, threw a runner out at second base, and, and finally I think was able to catch his breath and, and talk to the media a little bit more and kind of sit back and think about how special everything has been this last week. So, yeah, that was it was a lot of fun to talk to him. What a great young kid, by the way. And I think – going to be a solid catcher for a long time in the big leagues. Yeah, well, and, and Jerry, interesting conversation uh, with Brian about his dad as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, really interesting, Tanner, in that his dad survived a plane crash. And just a crazy story. And you know, I, I can identify with it because I did that, but his story is completely different from mine. He's in a small plane. There's four people. Um, the pilot is 17 years of age. I mean, he's a legal wow. pilot and had been flying a long time. But the pilot was seven. He was like his neighbor, two tour to us down, a good friend of his. So I invited him and, and three other teenagers on this flight that was going to be an hour. And uh, the weather changed immediately. Uh, they got ice in the wings. They, they couldn't keep flying. They crashed the mountains west of uh, uh, east of L.A. And he was the only survivor. And he was there overnight as well and got frostbite. They thought he had to they, had, they thought maybe he had to uh, amputate his feet or even one leg below the knee. They didn't have to do that because of frostbite, but just a crazy story. He's the only one that survived, and not only does he have injuries from the crash, but he, he's got frostbite and then have to amputate for that reason. So he was out there, I think, uh, uh, one night and then another half a day. So really crazy story and hoping to maybe talk to his dad sometime on Amazing Americans to be that guest there, which I, I think would be really cool. I was just going to say, I think I've got a guest idea for you for Amazing Americans. Yeah. But isn't it? Yeah. this is what is so unique uh, about the position that you're in, too, Jerry, that uh, you, get, you get to know these things. You get to know the, the, the man behind you know the uniform. And, and that's really yeah. unique, and it's easy for us to fall into this, these traps of, uh, of dogging on these guys and taking it too far. We saw it we, in the hockey world when it came to Nazem Kadri and what the Blues fans were saying. 
saying just some uh, you know egregious things about Nazem Kadri, but it's really unique for you, Jerry, to get to know the guys behind the uniform. Yeah, for sure, and and that's where I think you, you with the media sometimes you defend them because you, you're living with them basically for seven months out of the year. I mean, we're in the we're playing every day, same hotel, same bus, same clubhouse, so you get to know these guys really well. And then you become close to them and friends with them, and you pull for them. And, and when people say, "Oh, they they can't hit," what's wrong with them? Well, they're they're not trying not to hit. I mean, they're <laughs> trying to they're trying to score some runs in Pittsburgh in games one and two. They're just they're 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 hitting uh, you know hurdles in that in that regard. So yeah, and, it, and that's that's a really fun part of the job is to get to know some of these stories. I mean, there's one that I don't think too many people know. Ty Block, who's from Denver, is a natural right-handed uh, thrower. Are you kidding and, me? And, no crazy story. Tanner, um, and I think uh, 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 MLB writer, um, forget his name now, uh, Thomas Harding is going to write a story coming up soon about it, but uh, I found this out from Ty. So when he was three or four years old, there was a family friend, and they were at a picnic, and they were rolling the ball. This family friend was rolling the ball to Ty, and every time he picked it up right-handed, the guy said, no, no, pick it up with your left hand and throw it back to me. So he did that for like 15, 20 minutes and all of a sudden he was throwing left-handed. But he's a natural right-handed thrower. He writes right-handed. He golfs right-handed. He shakes up. I mean, he does everything right-handed but throw a baseball. And his dad's like, you know, the left-handers have an advantage, so why don't we just have him keep throwing left-handed? So that's another story that, that I would have never known about had it not been around Ty. So, yeah, to answer your, to, to, to follow up on your point, it is really cool to, to know these backstories, and everybody's got one. Well, the, yeah, there is. And, and I like what the Rockies do have right now. they got a couple of local guys that, that are here as well, I know. I mean, obviously everyone by now has heard the story about uh, – uh, Ty Block and how he's got uh, uh, one of the original bricks in Coors Field with his name on it, right? Yeah. That, that says uh, yeah. "Future Rocky." Like it's just stuff like that, that that you. I mean, you can't even write in movies. It's it's really cool behind <laughs> it, and it's it's just. Just a reminder that this team is going through a rough patch. There's no doubt, and our frustrations with their on the field play uh, can come through. But it's just that athletes are people too. I guess is what I'm trying to say, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And and we we all know that. I think sometimes we forget that though. We forget, you know, these guys are they're prepared and they're ready. I mean, Charlie Blackman is as prepared as any athlete I've ever seen. He goes through this routine and watches film and then you know, he gets himself ready for the starting pitcher and I mean nobody nobody prepares like that. But you can still go over five, even if you do that. And people don't quite get that. I know Charlie Blackman can't hit on the road. Well, he's not that he's he's not trying to hit on the road. He's doing all he can to do that. So that's the stuff that gets a little frustrating for me. Uh, we're all trying to figure out why the splits are so different and what to do about that home and road. But we've been trying to do that for 30 years now, and nobody really has the solid answer to it. So what do you do? You go out there and you play. You put the uniform on. You go bust your butt and see if you can win and, and beat the system a little bit. No, uh, well said. Jerry Schimmel, voice of the Colorado Rockies. I'm Tanner Schwinn. It's Rockies Rundown here on uh, KFKA. And uh, they, they've got a prime opportunity now, Jerry, to 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 put up some runs. And, and if we can get the, the pitching and the batting uh, in, in sync for once, because it always seems like one of the two catches fire right when the other one falters and it's just that's yeah. to quote buddy that's just baseball but uh, the nationals coming up they they do not have a very strong uh pitching staff some big names on there but they haven't had the success this year yeah exactly and the rockies have seen those pitchers too had that series in, in denver against washington so you got a little taste of it 
And I think, too, being away from Coors Field now for four days and you're starting the four-game series plays to the Rockies' advantage. You know, you're away from you're away from home, but you've gotten used to now, like I talked about earlier, how the ball is going to move. Um, and, and you're four days into a road trip, and you're going to feel better about things. Plus the ballpark. You know, Pittsburgh is a big ballpark. It plays really big. And the wind was blowing in, heavy air. I mean, all the things that are working against both of those teams, actually. Nobody hit the ball until yesterday. So I think that plays the Rockies' advantage. But they've seen those pitchers. It's not a, you're right. It's not a great staff right now. They have a high ERA, both the bullpen and the starters. That doesn't always mean you're going to win three games out of four. But at the same time, I think the Rockies look at this as, a chance to get back on track. And, and think about this, too, Tanner. If yesterday's game w- would have turned out the way the Rockies thought, they were up five to two, and the ball and the the bullpen, you know, coughed it up. If that doesn't happen, everybody's feeling great. Hey, you got two out of three. You finally start to hit the ball a little bit. Now you got momentum going into Washington. But it's a couple pitches by Carlos Estevez and by Justin Lawrence that are different in that ball game. Now everybody's going the opposite direction. Well, they're they're definitely looking for that kickstart series and, and, and trying to get back on the right track. You have got a team that's sliding uh, sliding a little bit here, but these next couple of series they've got a shot at it. So we'll continue to break down the uh, national series that gets underway today, uh, pregame right around four thirty, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. There, Jerry. Uh, but uh, the yep. na- national series gets underway today. Then you got Miami coming in as well. So we'll break that down more i also want to talk with jerry chris bryant back on the injured list what can we expect from chris bryant and are you starting to to worry a little bit more about it we'll have more of that on on the other side it's rocky's rundown presented by autoplex on northern colorado's voice 1031 and 1310 kfk told you at the beginning of the year that it's May 26th and Chris Bryant hasn't hit a home run for the Colorado Rockies, you would have been saying the Rockies are in trouble. Welcome back into Rockies Rundown. I'm Tanner Schwent, uh, joined by Jerry Schimmel. Jerry, uh, Chris Bryant, this this back injury has been bu- bugging him and continues to bug him now, but uh, uh, what are you hearing about Chris? Yeah, I did probably know more than what you are, Tanner, right now. All, all I know is that we talked a little bit yesterday with a manager about it, and he said the pain has come back. And, you know, and, and Buddy kind of uh, put a, a positive spin on it, saying, you know, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to put him on the injury list. We're going to uh, take some time away, um, do some exercises, see if we can get the pain to go away, do, do the treatment, all that kind of stuff. To me, Tanner, it, it's a little concerning, probably a little more concerning than Bud let on yesterday, in that you know, he took a cortisone shot. And I've done that before as well. When I was playing college baseball, I, I, I did the same thing, had a cortisone shot in my back and took care of things. I mean, I got to play the rest of the, the whole season after that without any kind of pain. Chris takes a cortisone shot, and he still has pain. So to me, that's a little bit alarming. Now, I don't know what that means medically. I really don't. I don't know if it, you know. It, Surgery is an option. You know, they're never going to play again. I, I have no idea what that looks like. But to me, it's concerning that you take a couple weeks off. 
you try to come back, you play a couple minor league games, you play a couple major league games, and then the pain comes back after taking the shot. So to me, it's a little bit alarming. I have no idea what it's going to look like going forward, but to me, that's that's kind of a concern, I think, and it should be for everybody. No, it is, and and of course, you're already hearing grumblings about the Chris Bryant, uh, you know, being being a bad bad deal, and it's it's hard to argue that at the moment. Now, I think the potential is still there, but Jerry, it, it just it doesn't help to see you know Nolan Arenado being the NL player of the of the week or the month, or and then Trevor Story being the AL player of the week. It it it's just um it's just salt and wo- <laughs> in the wound for Rockies fans. Yeah, it, it is, and I and I get that. I understand that. Um, and, and I do think that when Chris Bryant is healthy, he's going to be a major force for this team. I mean, he fits beautifully into Coors Field. And the fact that he doesn't have a home run is not surprising to me now because he admitted the other day that he has had this pain in his back since the beginning of the season, since spring training, when he, before he was even signed by the Rockies, he had this, and he kind of, kind of worked through it and did treatments on it and all that, but it never really got better. So it kind of explains why. He looked like he was all arms to me, swinging when he was was playing. They didn't have any lower body or lower body um, to 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 work off of. So he looked like he was all arms, and I th- I thought that too. Even in uh, beginning of the season when he was swinging the bat and getting base hits but not hitting home runs, just didn't look like the same swing to me. So. Uh, yeah, I think people will look at it now and say, oh, that doesn't look like a very good signing. I think you have to give it time. You have to get him healthy. And, and then you then see what you have after that. I, I think the same. You and I talked about this, Tanner, at certain points. It's like the Denver Nuggets and Mike Malone. You, you got you to gotta give him a full roster that's healthy before you decide whether he's the right coach for you or not. And you have to do the same thing with Bryant to evaluate whether it's a good signing or not. Let's get him healthy. Let's get him 100%. Let's let him rip up Coors Field like I think he's going to do when he is healthy. Well, Jerry, I know you've got a good relationship with Bill Schmidt, the, the, the new GM of the Rockies, but when you say that, Chris Bryant was experiencing back issues even in the off season. That's I mean that's got to be a, a general manager's worst nightmare when you sign a guy like this to this type of deal. Well, you got to go through a physical, and and he did that. It's, it's a it's a crazy series of physicals, by the way. I've watched it happen before. Really, and everything checked out for Chris Bryant. Yeah, and everything checked out for him. And and so I don't think there was any concern. And it's the same physical that every other team has to go through with a player before they can sign him or he can be traded. So um, it's a it's a long list of protocols you got to go through. And it was the same one that any team would have gone through and and checked off every box for Chris Bryant. So I don't think it's the right. He's rushed to, to you know sign him or shouldn't have signed him because of some physical ailment. I think it was just a sort of a fluky thing that, that now creeps up right after the signing. So and with Chris Bryant, I, I think the doctors and I'm, I'm guessing knowing Chris Bryant, he probably told me, "Yeah, I got this old pain in my you know my lower side and my back by my hip here. Uh, but I had it for a while. It doesn't seem to be any serious. They're going to check that out. Whether it's an MRI or whatever it needs to be done, they have checked that out and checked off the list. So I don't think that's the case with the Rockies that they rushed in anything or didn't do something they should have. No, yeah, no, and I wasn't trying to insinuate that, that that's what had happened. I just think you know, as as a GM, you're coming in, you're getting started, and then you you, you pay out big money to a guy like this and having him be injured in the first couple of uh, months of, of the new deal, that's just got to be a headache and a nightmare situation um, and, and nothing that could have been prevented, obviously, but uh, it's just got to be a headache for Bill Schmidt. 
Yeah, I think it is for everybody to connect the organization. Yeah. I mean, you look at Bud Black. That's a guy you think is going to hit third for you every night, and he hasn't been able to do that. So, and, and Bud said yesterday, he said he had a long talk with Chris Bryant in his office, just the two of them yesterday, and he said no one is more frustrated about this than Chris Bryant. He's feeling the pressure of the contract. He's feeling the pressure to, to just be on the field, let alone produce. And, he's, and he, the conversation apparently was, You've got to take care of your body first. You've got to get healthy before you can start thinking about, you know, hitting home runs at Coors Field. So um, I, I think everybody understands it, and the top of that list of people who understand that is Chris Bryant. There's a lot of frustration. He's been around a long time. He's been a great player for a long time. And, Tanner, we know this. When he's healthy, he's going to be productive. Oh, he's yeah. the prime of his career. Prime his career physically. The age is there where you're most productive. He's, I think, the same age as Nolan Arenado or close to it. And, and no one is, is, you know, is slicing and dicing. So when this guy's healthy, he's going to be a force. I just hope it, it happens sooner than later. No, I can't wait to see it. And you talk about that, uh, that veteran leadership. And this is what we talked about when the Rockies got onto, uh, that, that hot start. They, they have that balance of the youth with some veteran guys thrown in there, right? You, you talk about the youth of, uh, of Brendan Rogers even a little bit still. And, and then you got Jose Iglesias, you know, his counterpart up the middle. Ryan McMahon's a younger guy guy cj crone over at first they they, they've just got that that balance but without a uh, you know a former mvp out of the lineup i don't think people are talking about that enough right now in chris bryant it it, not only on the field but how do you carry yourself how do you dig yourself out of these the you know these losing streaks these tough times they're they're missing that from chris bryant right now yeah, yeah, they are. And when you're on the injury list, I'm telling you, you can be a leader, but you can't be the same leader that you are when you're on the field. It just doesn't work that way. So, and, and guys, I think almost subconsciously get that. You know, if Chris Bryant is in the lineup and raking and has 10 home runs and 30 RBIs, it's a different story because now guys are going up to him and asking questions where when he's on the injury list and not around or in rehab, whatever, that doesn't happen. So, and Chris is just such a good guy. I mean, he's one of the, one of the nicest people. And I can mention this to you. You, you see him on the on the charter on the plane. He is the nicest person to flight attendants that I've ever witnessed in my whole life. I try to be nice to him, and Chris beats me every time. I I, I just I'm I'm jealous of how nice he is to people. So now he's, it, my point is he's a great guy, understands it, just very frustrated about the whole process. But I'm telling you what, Tanner, when he gets back and when he's healthy, look out because he could really take off and carry a team. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. I am so excited to see it. Well, let's talk uh, on the other side. Let's dive into the in West, where the Rockies stack up and what they've got in front of them and what they've got in store for us coming up uh, as we head into June, uh, which has not been a great month for the Rockies in the past. It's Rockies Rundown presented by Autoplex right here on Northern Colorado's Voice, 1031 and are uh, looking to avoid a, a June swoon uh, that they're maybe just got a month early. Welcome back into Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex. I'm Tanner Schwint, joined by Jerry Schimmel. Jerry, 
the Rockies, as of right now, won't play a team, as we sit here on May 26th, with a record over 500 until, again until June 7th. This is the time for them to go make a move. Now, granted, one of those teams thrown in there is the defending uh, World Series champions, but they've been off to a slow start with the uh, talking about the Atlanta Braves. But uh, what are your thoughts about this next, uh, th- you know, these three series that we've got coming up for the Rockies? Well, I think, number one, you, you, you think maybe you can – Take a series from Washington. Try to win three out of four. Obviously, it would be a, a great way to finish this trip, and and I think they're ready for that. I, I think they like their uh, their three guys that are throwing Marquez, Gomber, and, and Cool. I think in the next three games and Kyle Freeland on Sunday. So they feel good about those guys. And then you go home, and you know when you're in Coors Field, it's just a different thing. You know this. It's just it's, it's a different team there, and they could beat anybody anytime. They can score as many runs as they need to, and seem to win a game, come from behind, whatever it might be. So just the fact that they're home after these four games, I think, is a good thing, a positive thing. And Miami got off to a good start. They have kind of come back to life. Atlanta, like you said, struggling. World Series champs, they're struggling as well. And then San Francisco is a team that they owe. I mean, that when they go on the road at San Francisco and San Diego, will be a tough road trip, obviously, in the division. Two good teams there. But I feel like uh, the Rockies owe San Francisco something and really excited about playing San Diego and, and seeing that young roster that they'll put out there. So I'm, a, I'm looking forward to the rest of this series, um, this, this, the, the playing in Washington here, these four games, then getting back home and you play seven at home and you feel good about Coors Field. So I like it. I, I like what's coming up for the Rockies the next two weeks. No, I agree. And I, I think that you, you have to go – I mean, you have to go and win this series. I, on Good Morning NoCo this uh, this morning, Brian Gary was calling. He's calling for a sweep of the Washington Nationals. Uh, if if that happens, I mean, I, I'm all in because I, I finally I said on the show today, and I kind of regret it, uh, Jerry. But I said the Rockies bus is dead at the moment, uh, and, and I think Brian was just trying to revive it a little bit. Uh, you know, give me a jump start there. But I think you go win three of the four against Washington. You got to take care of Miami. Ideally, you'd get the sweep there. And then, you know, I think still, you look at the Braves, a very talented roster. You take a split there with the Braves, and all of a sudden, who knows where you're sitting in the division with a, with one hell of a road trip uh, against San Francisco and San Diego coming up after that. It, it's going to be interesting, but these next three series are huge for the Rockies to close that gap if they want to make some noise. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. You know, you go through that uh, that homestand, which is seven games. You feel good about that, obviously. Then San Francisco and San Diego that puts you in the middle of June, basically. So you, I think you have a, I think you, you make a good point. This next couple weeks is going to be really crucial for the Rockies. You, what, what you hope to do is get back over 500. I think that's the thing that everybody's looking at right now. You're three games over 500. Hey, let's get back over 500. Certainly, maybe by more than a game or two by the time you hit that road trip, San Francisco and San Diego. So I, I know it's, a, it's an old uh, uh, cliche, but you've got to take this one game at a time. And what you do is start with tonight's game with Marquez and try to get him to, to get the fastball command. You, you try to plan for tonight, and that is execute pitches, Marquez, to give this team a chance to win. And you know this with him. When he's on, he is really good. But the fastball command has not been there, and we'll find out early in the game, I think, tonight, Tanner, whether or not that's going to happen or not. When he starts missing with that fastball, we're in trouble with Marquez. Hopefully he can change things that change things that way tonight. Well, and, and you know, we were talking about it uh, last week on this program, uh, Jerry. Uh, you know, you get that uh, that last big win against the Giants last Wednesday. They have the day off, and then you, you get going again on a Friday. And he said, okay, you build on that moment. 
momentum, uh, but you say you you called it. I think you only gave up two in the in the first inning. But you said their momentum's only as good as your starting pitcher is the next day. And and Marquez was not great. Yeah, exactly. And and he's he needs to get that way. I mean, look at the the first half he had last year. I think he was what I don't know nine and three or something at the All Star break, and was an All Star pitcher last year. And, and then the second half, he just kind of fell off a little bit. And then he starts the season against the Dodgers and mows them down, this great team. And then since then, he's just been up and down. So it's got to be, you know, he's the number one pitcher coming into the season. He was your number one guy, an all-star. He's got to be better than one and four and got to be better than an ERA that's six. And that's got to start with, with, tonight's start against Washington. Not a great lineup. They, they can score a few runs. they got some, uh, some, some weapons offensively. But this is a team that, in a ballpark like Washington, you can get good if you are Marcus. You can turn things around with the talent he has. So that's where it starts. It starts in tonight's game. Then you go from there, and you, got, you feel good about Gomber and Cool and Freeland the rest of the series. Talking with Jerry Schimmel, this is Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex. And I, I, I just want to throw it out there. I know the guy's getting a lot of, a, a lot of notice, but it's worth mentioning. How good has C.J. Crone been this year? Oh, man, isn't that fun? You know, about the time you think he's going to fall into a slump, he does something like he did yesterday and launch a you know 420-foot home run against the wind in a big ballpark where the ball doesn't carry. So, you know, it's just he's been, you know, you look at the numbers, just look at the raw numbers, one of the best power hitters in the game today, in, at least the first two months of the season. I mean, he's right there with, with all the other guys that you would expect, expect to be at the top of that list. So it's been it's been awesome, and you wonder sometimes if, a guy like that was in the lineup. You weren't getting that kind of production. How many losses might you have now? You might have 25 or 30 losses because he's been that good. So just been a lot of fun. And, and another guy, Tanner, that works at his craft, finally has a chance to play every day starting last year and has taken advantage of that. And uh, Bud Black was talking about him the other day in the conversation uh, he had before the Rockies signed and before last year was, hey, I want to come to spring training and get a chance to, to be the everyday first baseman. And Bud said to him, if you can come into spring training and show us that you're that good, that you're good enough to be that first baseman, you'll be that way because I'm the manager. I'll put you at first base every day. And that's what happened. He got off to a slow start last year. But the second half of the year, he was as good as any power hitter in the game, and he earned that spot. And now he's carried it through. Easy, Tanner, to sign a two-year contract for $14 million. First time, by the way, that he's Ed Crone has ever had a multi-year deal. He's always been on one-year deals. Every team has ever played for, which is now, what, five or six. He finally got security, and he's taken advantage of that. Sitting there every day playing good, solid defense and just raking at the plate. Boy, that that, uh, that home run he hit yesterday, I don't even know how yeah. he got his hands on it. I, I that, You talk about fast hands through the zone. He he just jumped all over that pitch that was down and in, and it's he's just a, he's just a joy to watch. You know, sometimes you, you think, oh, I got, I got his weak spot figured out. Hey, throw the ball here and you get him out. And, I, and I'm thinking, low and in is probably that. And then he drops the barrel back <laughs> yesterday and golfs one. I mean, just absolutely crushed that ball to left field. I don't think that pitch was even a strike, Tanner. I watched the replay. No. The board strike. You know, he just went down and got it. And then I think, well, you can get him out with a fastball high. And then when, about the time you think that, he gets on top of one and hits one 450 feet to left field at Coors Field. And then you think, all right, his, his weak spot is high and away, so let's pitch him high away, and then he'll drive one to right field off the wall. So it, it, that, that's a sign to me of a great hitter, especially a power hitter, 
when you have no weaknesses in that strike zone, every everything you throw in the strike zone has a chance to be hit hard. There's not too many guys you can say that about in the majors these days. No, I completely agree with you, Jerry. And and he's been he's just been like I said, he's just been a joy to watch. Um, I, I got to ask, uh, listening to your uh, your broadcast yesterday, Jerry, were you in the middle of a construction zone? <laughs> You noticed that, huh? I did. Yeah, I, I did. Um, actually, we were we were really close to one. Uh, the Clemente Bridge, Roberto Clemente Bridge, goes right by. It goes over the the Allegheny River right next to the stadium, and it actually, it, it, when it's operational, and what they're doing, what you heard yesterday was they're working on that bridge. They're redoing it, getting all the rust off. So you heard the heavy power equipment there yesterday. But um, I've seen the design of when they're going to get that done and pre-paint it, oh, it's going to be awesome. So that Berta Clemente Bridge goes over the Allegheny, into downtown on one side, and to the stadium on the other. And on game days, they shut that down. There's only uh, foot traffic on that. Now it's completely closed right now, but there's just foot traffic on that, and it's really cool. I mean, there's like thousands of people streaming across that bridge on a game day afternoon or, or morning of an afternoon game. So it's really cool. It's a great site, by the way. Right now it doesn't look good, but it's a great site. But that's what you heard, construction on the Roberto Clemente Bridge next to the stadium. I, I figured you would have went out there and, uh, and either helped expedite the process with the construction, Jerry, or told him to knock it off. I figured uh, well, you, you or Jack would have taken care of that. Yeah, I, I probably should have done that. They probably would have thrown me into the Allegheny River had I suggested <laughs> that. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know what I need? I needed you there yesterday to go out there and just you know, halt this thing for three hours while we get our broadcast. In. Listen, I'll tell them how it is, Jerry. I, I yeah, will. Yeah, I'll go out there that. and do it. Yeah. And then, then I, I, I will be thrown in the Allegheny River, and I may need <laughs> you to come rescue me, but maybe then that qualifies me for uh, Amazing Americans. So you never know I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, what we can okay. get worked out there. But yeah. the uh, PNC Park, uh, that is such – just the optics of it is – I think it's a really cool ballpark when, you, when, you, when it, uh, that camera pans around – I think that's one of the cool ones, and obviously you've been to uh, every stadium, right, Jerry? I mean, you've probably been to every uh, yeah. stadium, but uh, what, uh, where does that rank for you? I, I think in terms of the scenery, in terms of uh, especially the look from the broadcast booth, and we're way on top of the building, is A number one. I don't think there's any anyone better. Wow. All right. It's really a cool, yeah, to see the river there and then downtown behind that. It's just the coolest sight. I never get tired. Now, the atmosphere at PNC Park, they don't draw very well. It's not great, but I'll tell you what, the view is unbelievable. All right, Jerry. Well, we're going to be hearing from you in just about well, an hour and a half. you got the Rockies and Nationals. You can hear that right here. For Jerry Schimmel, for Micah Kilpatrick, I'm Tanner Schwint. This has been Rockies Rundown, presented by Autoplex on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 and 1310 KFKA.